Yo, what's up, everyone? It's your main man, Addy Net, and of course, I got my sidekick, Casey Carpenter. And you are either watching or listening to MLO. And we are back, folks. Today, we're going to rip through a good episode. If you haven't been with us for a while, make sure, make sure to hit us up if you need anything when it comes to getting pre approved, buying a home. We absolutely love it when you reach out and episode ideas and episode ideas. We need that. Yeah, hit us with some comments, some episode ideas. You know, maybe there's something that we're not chatting about you want to hear. Yeah. And today, we're kind of ripping off the cuff here because Carp and I were chatting prior to hitting record on all this, and he kept peppering off these great stories about I'm working with this client and this and fixing this and doing this and I'm like wow you've been busy chopping wood and what like there's just so much complexity in people applying to get a home right now and there's so many like I was explaining to someone Casey I was like right now there are so many different kind of currents to get over like imagine someone who's thinking about buying being on the beach and looking at the ocean and buying a home is getting out (laughs) over all those sets of wakes. So like the first one, get just getting in the water is kind of interest rates. Like interest rates are higher. The payments higher. We're kind of like eclipsing out this whole, like, I'm just going to wait. Oh my God. That was a really good Kermit the frog. By the way, have you seen that, uh, that Instagram reel where they take, um, uh, Mahomes and add Kermit the Frog voice. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. But back to my analogy. Sorry, super ADD this morning. You need to get over the beach to the water by just accepting that interest rates have kind of flatlined and they're higher and nobody's in 2020 world anymore. Right. So yep. once you get over that, Absolutely. you've got a lot of complexities. And this is where I want to give Casey an opportunity to kind of pull back the curtain on some of the scenarios you've been dealing with. Because it feels like you're hitting driver off the deck like all day long, punching out from the woods, trying to help these people. And I'm laughing because, you know, this is an entertainment content. It is what it is. But it's serious stuff. And it is the reality of our industry right now is most people coming in and applying with Casey or myself, they ain't simple. No. I mean, you have higher interest rates right now. Everybody knows that it's no joke, which also creates a lot of high risk on the lending side. You're trying to just look at every detail, um, whether I think financing is is looking at it from a risk adverse standpoint. Maybe they are. I mean, it's just there's so much more complexity to these deals nowadays. Right. But we're also seeing it's something strange where people are jumping into homes or contracts before figuring out the financing. And this isn't the first time me and Addy have ever brought this up. We've talked about this many times, the importance of trying to get it pre-approved ahead of time, get your financing and stuff figured out before shopping for a house or even going into contract. Dude, I'm so glad you brought that up because here's my theory on that. Yeah. We've all heard it, like get pre-approved before, but it is extremely important now. But the disconnect, I think, because backing up to when interest rates were low, it really wasn't an issue to get qualified because the payment was so small, almost any full-time employee with reasonable debt can get a loan, right? Yeah, there's but a lot of wiggle room. Now there ain't no wiggle room. But what I think the issue is, it's the real estate agents. And it's not in my best interest, no pun intended, to say that because we're always wanting to be attractive to partner with real estate agents. But I think a lot of the agents are so desperate 
to get a deal, get a client, be showing homes that they don't want to deliver bad news. It's so it's ass backwards because, yeah, hey, it's a waste of time for everyone to be like looking at eight homes on a Saturday morning when there's no way in hell. Number one person could get qualified. Number two, if they could get qualified, that they're comfortable with the payment. But I've noticed this whole like, let's just not talk about it. I know it's so strange and we love our agent partners. This is not an agent bash, but no. the, it is the reality. Lenders do it too, dude. Lenders and lenders are doing it too. They don't but, talk about the rate or the payment. They're like you're good up to like yeah. 600. Just go get out there. <laughs> get out there. Sorry. I cut uh, you off. But, but no, it's, it's the word is desperate and it's, it's, it's in a market right now where everyone's probably operating on a third less of income. Bills are coming due. I mean, this is a market of real, effort and you're putting in a, three times the work to do that one transaction and people are just rushing the gun and you're seeing just people getting a contract early without getting pre-approved without figuring out the financing and i'm sorry guys the reality is it's much tougher to get the loan done you have payments that are three times the what they were mm -hmm. you know a couple of years ago or at least not at least doubled right mm -hmm. and you might not have that income now or your income doesn't stretch as far like there could be potentially probably 95 percent, almost guarantee some hurdles to come over during that underwriting process and it's like you need to figure out that financing up front so we're just seeing a lot of clients jump the gun whether they're being kind of shoved in from the real estate agent to get in a contract quick and then get your pre-approval letter mm -hmm. or the lenders shoving out a pre-approval letter because we've all heard our clients, well, guess what? Rocky Mortgage pre-approved me in no time. That's not a pre-approval letter. That's a pre-qual from a guy sitting in a cubicle. That's like, a great point. Let's kind of like explain that. Yeah. I want to get your stories. but this No, is we're going like, to get to it, but or, this is the beginning. Like, yeah. They're getting fed quick into contract by an agent or they're getting a quick pre-approval that's quick and dirty. That's not a real pre-approval. So yeah, let's put a little context to the quick and dirty and the thoughts yeah. here and confirm. <laughs> Just so like anyone can go on the internet and fill out a form of which a they're going to promise not to pull your credit or whatever, and you are literally manually inputting your income. It's like verbal, like oh I make a hundred grand. What's your credit score? Eight hundred. Yeah all these like Q and a questions and it spits out this prequal, which is essentially like, Hey, if everything you said is true, which is probably not, even if you are trying to be truthful, 100%. everything's looked at from a different perspective than just the normal citizen acting through their daily lives. Yeah. Now an actual pre-approval is supported documentation for everything on there, your income, your assets, the money you have, right? An actual credit pull. And then to take it even further, everyone that works with Casey and I, <clears throat> you're gonna get pre-underwritten, which means the person that stands between us and the money in the house is an underwriter that verifies everything. They're an expert Absolutely. over the guidelines. And that's when you really do a deeper dive of all these like minuscule little details such as, oh, what about that seven week that you got COVID and couldn't work? What about that one accidental late mortgage payment because uh, you changed checking accounts and forgot to update your information? What about that, uh, you know, collections utility from when you moved out of your apartment yeah. and it went to like no man's land and you just kind of like shoved it to the curb? All those little things get addressed through an actual underwrite. And now that the volume's down, 
we're able to, most companies can do this, go through a pre-NRA. It doesn't even take that long. It's and like 24 it, hours. So that's the definition. Now you've got the, th the verbal pre-qualification you're talking about rocket mortgage. That's nonsense. Like nonsense. That, if, when, if you take that to an agent and you're offering, the problem with that is any good listing agent is going to call out the nonsense approval and they're not going to take your offer seriously. So it puts you, though you might think you're the only one buying a home right now, you're not. You're not. No. Believe it or not, because inventory is down, regardless of the interest rates, a lot of the highly sought after homes within affordable uh, range have multiple offers. So you're like little pup putt is, is off the grid. Yeah, you're done. So then it brings down to the pre underwritten people, the pre approved people using local lenders, all that stuff. But explain to me, I'm going to swing this back to you. Sorry. I think it's just super important because we've done over a hundred episodes now. And like, I think you and I's brains like, Oh, we've talked about pre qual and pre approved, yeah, but, but it's been a, it's been a minute. And right? it's good to come back to it because uh, this is a thing though, too, even with you being truthful, what I'm seeing is this is even after I'm doing an application with a client looking at it, right? There's still details I'm finding out during that application process that the client just didn't tell me like, yeah. guess what? They got a second home. You gotta, you gotta tell us how many properties they, bought a you, car. they brought, they bought a car recently or student loans, student loans, or you got social security for a child that's 16. Well, guess what? Now you got to prove continuance like three years. Like there's a lot of details in getting pre-approved for a home loan. And what I'm finding out is I just believe clients are looking at this like it's a car loan application. This is not that kind of loan. Good You're point. not just putting down, well, I make income and I have credit, so I should be able to get a loan. No, we look at every single detail. It's the highest level of financing you're going to get, the biggest loan you're probably going to ever have. And we look at every single detail from all asset, uh, all assets, all debts, all incomes, credit scores, everything. We look at every detail. Um, even the fact if you co-signed on a loan for somebody comes up. I mean, and these are things you're not going to sit there and think of every single detail when you fill out an application. You're just thinking, what's my income? What's my credit score? And how much money do I have in the bank? I love your car buying uh, right. analogy because we've all been there. You show up to the car lot on a sa early Saturday at 1 p.m. Don't worry, honey, it's just going to be a couple yeah. seconds. Yeah. You fall in love with it, and then Jim is like, hey, I think we can make some work here. Absolutely. Then you're in the conference room. Yep. Then Jim comes, what's it going to take to get this deal done? Yeah. Well, I need the payment here. Okay, let me be right back. You're starting to get hangry. You're starting to get thirsty. Your one-ounce Dixie yeah. cup, right? And you're like, oh, oh. And then Jim comes back with a Sharpie sign here and it's yours we're done we're right good. look at the house at the complete opposite yes complete opposite get your financing dialed figure out if you're even within a financial comfort level and you can get approved then go look at the homes don't fall in love with the home and get swindled by jim Poor Jim out there is getting thrown under the bus. I'll tell yeah. you that right now. Jim's probably that you Jim's that probably out. a good guy, but the reality is, I mean, when I bought our cars a couple of years ago, I literally put down, physically wrote just what my income was per month, what maybe some of the debts were, and what my credit score was. I'm sure they went and pulled a soft poll or some type of poll, right. but that was the application and the approval process. They didn't ask me for a pay stub. They didn't ask me for anything. Like they just. 
took what I was saying on paper. Now, some probably might ask for a pay stub or something like that, maybe, but that's so bare minimum. So when you're buying a house with these bigger loans, with these higher interest rates, just in general, this is the most thorough application, thorough documentation process you're going to go through. And we as advisors, great advisors like me and Addy and your local mortgage companies, not these online guys, um, are going to try to do our best to guide you through that. This is not a quick and dirty, easy process. Right. This could take a day. It could take a week. It depends on how good you are with documentation. So I think, too, another thing, yeah. like there's a lot of lenders out there that'll be like, Oh, we'll, we'll just, we'll worry about that later when you get in a contract, which sure you could probably overcome. Like a good example is a verification of employment right now. A lot of corporations are like bringing employees back to the office and they're not allowing certain like work from home or it's a hybrid or whatnot, right? You want to address that up front and have all that stuff done so that your two to four week closing is less stressful. You could tighten up that closing, make it shorter so you're more competitive, or at least use energy toward inspecting the home and negotiating rather than trying to figure out all the stuff you need from your manager. So be wary of people, not only agents, but lenders who are like, oh, don't, you're good, man. Just go find the house. Giving you like undetailed advisement, very short emails, like, Another like big thing that chaps me is like, I've seen lenders that'll send out like just the payment and be like, here's like very vague ranges. Like you're good up to this. The yeah. payment's probably this between, you know, 3000 and 3,500. Like, no work with someone that's going to like break down what the costs are, right? What the Absolutely. rate is. Absolutely. What, like if you're sensing someone being like very surface level, they're avoiding having a conversation of which they don't want to have up front and hoping that when you're in contract and screen to get it all done that smoke is distracting you from really analyzing the financial decisions yeah 100 <laughs> like, so how are some of the because you had you were giving me some great stories and i yeah. wanted to record you've had a couple fall i'm falling the lap isn't right but you've had clients come to you in contract and you're really trying to pull them up onto the boat yep. so you you explain the va one the veteran yeah, yeah, that one. The veteran's a good one. So and good. At the end of the day, guys, like my heart's always in it for the client. Like I Absolutely. want everybody. Same with Addy. We want everybody to get a home loan. But the reality is, not everyone can qualify at this time for a home loan. You might in the future, and we could set you up. But we're always there to advocate for you, and we're trying to get that done as best we can. And just sometimes we cannot because it's not the right time for you. So we had. I had one that. Um, you know, this is an important thing. So the client is a veteran, uh, was active duty for a handful of years, got out, went and became a reservist um, and loves her, loves her career is going to be a military career. But one thing is with reserves is those type of contracts are shorter contracts. You might see those only at six months or a year. It's not likely you see long term multiple year contracts for a reservist. Well, as part of a qualifying uh, part, part is we're always looking at continuance of employment, continuance of income. And a lot of the times they look at it from a three-year continuance perspective. So if your contract ends in six months, we need to show that you're going to continue that employment. And usually in this case, if it's a VA loan, 
you really need to get a letter from the commanding officer saying that that veteran or that reservist is eligible for reenlistment. Uh, there's no issue, and the likelihood of employment will continue. Very similar to a, a VOE, like a normal employer would state on an employment verification, likelihood of employment to continue. Right, right, right. You need that from the military standpoint, from the CO. And you also need that veteran or reservist to acknowledge that they plan on enlisting again. They plan on continuing their employment. But here's where the catch is, is those contracts end. And with that, you sometimes have to take it a step further. In my specific case, and this is really probably catered to more of reserve military, but we had to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that she was going to reenlist and that the CEO and that company and the branch that she was working under was going to have the funds to reenlist and get her there. And then I took it a step further, which is wild because me and Addie were talking about this. I've, I've never seen this or done it before, but I had to show how long that reserve branch here in Oregon had been a, a reserve branch. And for, for us, it was since 1957. You Googled it. I Googled it. <laughs> I Googled it. I, so I simply funny. used Google to help support this veteran's case, uh, this reservist, active reservist case, and we were able to get that done. But that actually was something that was never on the radar up front. It was something that we were assuming just a letter from the, the reservist and the CO would work. So even things like that, you're seeing you're, – you wouldn't know almost until you're in it. Um, me and Addie won't forget about that situation now going forward, but you really have to advocate. You really have to put all these things in place to show. So even if you're making great income, you've been in the career for mm -hmm. multiple years, there's still things that can come up. So that's, again, why it's super important to vet that stuff early instead of jumping into contract right away and looking at it, right? Another really good example, too, because I want – I don't want people that aren't veterans to start zoning off. No. Nope. Self-employed because the employment tax extension deadline was like a month ago. So you specifically were dealing with people that deferred even filing their taxes, didn't even do an extension. That's another really good example. Like you could be crushing it self-employed, but you, if you're not filing your taxes, haven't filed an extension, don't have the proper documentation, you might not be able to get it done. Another one is uh, divorces. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, if you are still pending status of a divorce and the discharge papers and the court hasn't finalized stuff, you're at a stall out. So there's all these little things that just that people just don't care or don't want to talk about. And your agent typically isn't going to know to ask all that stuff or feel comfortable 100%. doing it. So just more rounded examples of why you want to just get, have a conversation, get pre-approved and know what you need to do. And be just completely transparent. Like yeah. Addie was saying, I mean, we had, I had several clients that had not filed their 2022 taxes. Right. And they We're still working it. on the 2022 taxes. And basically it said like, no problem, have them already, or, you know, I should have them in a day. And that's just not the case. Yeah. Um, and guess what we're waiting for then? The 2022 taxes to be completed. And that can take some time, especially if you're trying to do them yourself. Right. The other part is, I had a client that had lost their green card. It expired. Uh, they had lost it. Oh, physically lost physically it. Physically lost it. And, you know, that'd be... Yikes. For us, that is a way to prove your residency here in the United States. And truthfully, there's only a couple other ways to show that. It is either having that physical green card or having a replacement green card, 
or having a U.S. passport with a certain stamp on their I-551 stamp. We don't got to go into the details, but that shows kind of residency status. This person had none of those. So now we're sitting there waiting for the immigration services to issue a new green card. That process can take three weeks up to 15 months. And no seller is going to wait 15 months for that. Well, I think, too, like, with the types of clients that I typically assist, you know, doing all the national relocation business I do, it's just become so normal to like have these earlier conversations with clients like six to 12 months in advance. Yeah. And Hey, hearing that story, what's your situation? And like, even as lenders, if you call us and I'm trying to make it as unintimidating as possible, if you just call and have a conversation, like literally the first five minutes, just a normal conversation. We've done this so many times, like I'm ping ponging and checking off boxes. Am I, Oh, how long have you been doing that job? Oh, great. Did you transfer? What type of role do you have? Are you commission based salary? Do you have bonus? What kind of car do you drive? Did, did you, what's the payment like on that? All of those things are pre-qualifying in our head. Mm-hmm. So I, I share that insight and perspective because it doesn't take anything but a 15 to 20 minute call to ring us, ring a lender, talk to us, tell them your situation. Even if you're not going to buy, I think it's good to do those touch bases, right? And I even tell all my people, it's like, I'm always here in any major purchasing situation. Even if you buy a home later on the road, I get people that call me, get a client called the other day. is like, Hey, I want to buy this car. And we ran some math together. Brainstorm sesh. Here's my thoughts here. Do you buy it in cash? You finance, you do this. Can you use it under your LLC? What are the opportunities? Oh, you want to go electric or gas? Like it's good to converse with people within the space and always keep in mind that your number one assets, your home, most likely for 99.9% of people. So have these calls, have these touch bases so there aren't any surprises and you're making really good decisions. Yeah, I mean, it just all, uh, like I was telling a client the other day, it doesn't cost you anything. It's free. We will talk to you. There's no, you're not, yeah. put, you're not putting a deposit down to talk to us. This is just education we want you to have. So you're out there making the right decisions when you're buying the home and you're not worried about the financing if it'll go through mm-hmm. or not, you know? Um, and, you know, if you want to take it a step further, we'll pull a credit report. That's all that maybe there is. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to have the conversation, pull credit from you, and really just give you that information so you're out there just making the right decisions. The last thing that's come up that's super important, and especially in these days, is deferred maintenance in condos is becoming a big issue that I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. That is one that's kind of hard for us to know up front in the situation. Um, what's important Are you is- Are talking about the unit or the building itself? The building itself. Yeah. Um, so it's like, hey, if you're looking to buy condos right now, a big thing is just making sure that um, HOA has all their documentation in place, can give you meeting minutes, reserve studies, answer HOA questionnaires, all these things that we need as a lender to make sure that that whole complex is up to date on stuff. Um, Fannie and Freddie right now are high on deferred maintenances. Over the last year, year and a half, there's been some condo (laughs) complexes that have unfortunately had some major disasters, some collapses, even some casualties due to deferred maintenance. And it is on the radar now for Fannie and Freddie. So they are looking at the condos, uh, the condo approval specifically, a lot more detailed than they used to be. Um, So it's just one of those just 
nuggets if you're out there in on that yeah absolutely so my wife and i's first ever property we owned together was a condo yep and it was the hoa the homeowners association was self-managed by the residents so we sat on the collective board and decision making so one thing knowing as a former condo owner we lived in it as our primary and also had it as an investment property had renters in there so what happens in these HOA meetings is everyone sits down, right? Yeah, give yeah. us the secrets on the you, meetings, You sit dude. down, you're likely in a cold game room with like an old <laughs> ping pong table and a bunch of floaties and like some weird storage. There's zero heat, so you're cold. Everyone's pissed off because it's like seven o'clock at night on a fall evening, it's dark. Nobody yeah. wants to really talk, <laughs> right? So what's up for discussion typically is the budget. That's the biggest thing, guys. So when you're looking on Redfin and Zilla, you see everyone that looks at the HOA fees for the most part. Like, how much are they a month? Yeah. The human natural thing to do is to look at it and be like, those are way too high. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't even want to. That's a third of my I payments. I don't even want to look at them. Yeah. Then they look at a unit of which has really low. Oh, great. I want that. Right. Here's the reality of HOAs. When the, and this is for condos, not townhomes. I do want to asterisk. Townhomes are completely different. Yes. Condos, when you see a lower HOA, the deal with that is nine times out of 10, the HOA board in our situation, the residents had voted not to increase the monthly fee to, <laughs> because that monthly fee is used to maintain the property that you're using and owning as a community, right? Yep. Some examples, pool maintenance, siding on the home, yeah. roof, parking issues, yep. draining issues, landscape, lighting, windows, common areas, yes. all this stuff. That yes. ain't free. No, it's not. And we all know the over, like we've all here heard inflation. Right. So maintaining these things have only increased in cost. Yeah, good However, point, good point. but most of the time, no one wants to add more money Yeah, because it increases their monthly payment. So I was always looked at like a leopard because I was like, hey, guys, I would rather have everyone contribute 20, 40, 60, 100 dollars more month to the uh, money pot, if yep. you will, yeah, HOA pot, so yeah. that we can address these maintenance items before they become more expensive. But most of the time that gets voted down. So my main point of that is like, when you see a higher HOA, you're trying to compare two different condos. It's don't just poo poo away the higher HOA one. Cause it's, it actually might be properly managed yeah. and orbiting around reality. Now those lower ones, here's what happens, right? you get an issue, all of a sudden, no one wants to spend any money or increase the fees. Now the siding needs to be replaced because it's all rotten or yeah. there's whatever issues in it, right? Could be anything, big project. Yep. So then what happens is guys, we gotta do this. Like unit A, B and C are all leaking now. We have no choice. So the president gets a quote. Oh, it's gonna cost $100,000 to fix it. They take that 100K and divide it by how many units there are and the whole building, and that's called an assessment. Yes. And it gets sent to you as an invoice. So now, instead of just paying a little bit more so we'd have this slush fund to pay for it, everyone's gotta cut a check. Yep. So then owners go, screw this, I want out. I'm they out. list the condo, because they don't wanna cut the check. Yep. 
And then it becomes in the very challenging to get financing. Yeah. Because once you have an accepted offer, the bank, the lender who we work for is going to have access to all the meeting minutes, the budgets, the quotes, the invoice, and they're going to make a determination of whether this house or condo is financeable. Absolutely. So what, ha it's just, diff it's like student loans. Yeah. You're going to pay for it a little bit at a time every single month, or are you just going to defer this all and pray that the government forgives it? Yeah. Well, here's what's different. You got zero <laughs> chance of the government paying for the deferred maintenance, man. That's a great Zero point. freaking chance. Oh my gosh, it is. I mean, and this is an important part, like even in that situation of ours, um, you know, they had, they had, the HOA had taken some steps, but here's the biggest thing is if there is deferred maintenance, we want to know what that cost is looking like. What is the plan? Are you going to increase the HOA dues? Are you just going to cut checks out to the, each of the units? Have you started the process? Do you even have a bid in place yet? These are important things because it might come up like, oh yeah, we knew there's water moisture and stuff like that. And you know, caveat on that, guys, we're in the Pacific Northwest. We get a ton of rain over here, you know, so that is a thing like water moisture, rot, damage that happens a lot. Um, and so that's what they're looking at. And if it's been deferred and everyone's still just sitting on the fence right. wondering what they're going to do, but you got three units that have some major mm. issues, it's going to be tough to get that finance at that point, unless you've started the process and you have a plan, an action plan in place. And another thing too, not a lot of people know, um, is when the budget and the bylaws get reviewed, the underwriter in the condo department on the lending side is going to look at the budget relative to how much they're collecting in fees. And a lot of time, there's notes in there. They have these companies come out and be like, hey, you're running out of money because it's only getting more expensive, but you're not increasing your fees to keep up with inflation, right? Yeah. Because it gets voted down. 99% of the time, I just told you that I won't repeat myself. So it will actually become unfinanceable in a lot of situations because there's also something called mandatory reserves. Mm, so yes, the account is. has to have X amount of money relative to a realistic operating budget. So you might be dead in the water and you might not even be able to get it financed. This is why you see a lot of condos sitting on the market for like 60, 90, 200 days because essentially it's cash only and it can't get financed. So that's one thing that's really, really, really important to know. And ask backwards thing about, it, at least in Oregon, I'm only licensed in Oregon, Idaho, Washington, and Arizona, so I don't know all the other states. But here in these markets, most of the time, the sellers aren't allowing access to all these documents until you have an accepted offer. Yeah. So you're kind of going in blind, but on a positive thing, I always explain to my clients is like, it's yeah, they don't want to show their cards and kind of distract people from not being willing to offer by showing it, showing these HOA documents. But I think it's a good safety thing for a buyer because you don't want to get into us. I tell us like the, the, the system of purchasing a condo is really set up to protect you. Now, of course, the banks are selfish. They don't really care about you, but they're, they're risk assessing, yep. but it's a nice risk assessment for the buyer not to get into a compromising asset ownership situation. Yeah. And it, it can go down a nasty path. And, you know, even, even with, you know, this specific route, you know, we just, we didn't get that information that we needed at a, 
at a decent time manner from the HOA. What happened is an inspection popped up on one of those minutes. So we asked for the inspection that revealed water moisture throughout the entire complex and they had not started the process. And so when that condo cannot be financed on a regular Fannie Mae loan, then mm-hmm. we call that what's called a non-warrantable condo. And that's a different type of financing that can be done. Um, more down payment, things like that. It's a portfolio higher type, interest. But a higher interest rate. Typically, most clients aren't going down that path if they don't want to. In this situation, because it was revealed at the final stages of this purchase, guess who's now upset also? The sellers Everyone. are upset. The <laughs> buyers are upset. So now they don't want to release earnest money. Now we want to get lawyers involved. Now it's, it becomes a giant issue when at the end of the day, if you just get the information that you need to process that loan from that HOA, you can make everybody happy and make all the right decisions. And there's nothing wrong with condos. We're kind of explaining like yeah. the dark and the dirty of these one-off situations. One thing I always tell people is, and it goes back to that, there's a clear difference between a condo complex and a townhome or a suburb single family with a small HOA. Everything we're saying does not pertain to, no, especially is- a single family, like, cause that's super popular in like Boise, right? Boise has a lot of suburbs with like this $20 HOA. Yeah. Those bylaws are for security, maintenance, putting up Christmas lights during yep. the fall, the park and the community pool, all that's totally different. It's nothing to do with the actual like living area. Townhomes typically are gonna be, you know, five to 12 stack attached properties. Mm-hmm. Yep. Once again, very limited like very easy to organize it's totally different so i don't want people to walk by like because we hear that i'm never paying for an hoa i've seen a lot of like super healthy hoas where it's like it holds everybody accountable for these things like deferred maintenance for these things like security or community parks and pools all that stuff helps the value of the property and it's worth the 20 bucks a month because shoot i don't like doing yard work yeah no i mean like i have a I think our HOA is 73 bucks a month in our neighborhood. And, and, yeah, and what does that cover? Yeah, the same thing you just said. Oh, Security, just front yard maintenance, Christmas light stuff. I mean, totally. all kind of this basic stuff you... you Truthfully, I don't want to do, so I'm yeah. happy to pay it. And, and it, it helps also the value your home. Helps the value of the home. My neighbor doesn't have six cars in their driveway and the trash cans stacked up outside. Like, it keeps it kind of, you know, clean and friendly. But for most importantly, it, it really is security. Like, we got cameras and stuff throughout the neighborhood. I like have that. Have you seen those Instagram reels of, like, Karen of the HOA? Yeah. like, walks around and is like, your bins have been out for four <laughs> days. Take them back, Tom. <laughs> Carol, you're, that's not a qualifying color of beige yeah oh my gosh you can have some some real stickler hoas out there for sure i think that's a total dramatization (laughs) i like on ours too like i even called them and i was like is it cool if i have a basketball hoop outside for my kids to play basketball and they're like yeah is that a spalding brand (laughs) yeah it's a spalding don't worry (laughs) (laughs) that's why i got through yeah no knockoff franklin we need spalding or better (laughs) and if anything it's like we're just kind of telling you what to look out for just on a condo purchase. And most condos are great. Most HOAs, they have it all in place. Um, there's just going to be some stuff that sometimes can come up. And that's where a good agent right. and a good lender are there to have your back and look at all that stuff to make sure this is a good investment for you. It's totally good. And we weren't even anticipating to do a deep dive on condo no. HOA, but I think that was really good. I, I, let's go like roll to a closing chat. Yeah. We got five, 10 minutes left. And I had mentioned this right before we pressed record per usual. 
for me, I really want to chat a little bit about money saving tips because everybody's, you know, for the most part in a different kind of attitude and financial environment than they were a year or two years ago, that fact. And it goes back to, you know, inflation, interest rates, um, the economy, all this stuff, right? And we're going into the holiday seasons, right? So right now, um, a lot of people will be spending a lot of money. It's Christmas, everyone wants to do a lot of really good stuff. I, I really want to encourage people especially right now it's October, do it before like November, December, when it's just crazy and you're figuring out family stuff and all that. No, seriously. Take like 15, 20 minutes and you don't have to do it all in one sit down, go through all your accounts. It, and it's, I'm not going Gordon Ramsay on you. We're like, cut back, canned beans only, top ramen. I encourage people to get comfortable with looking at their finances and it not being a swipe, smile, pray, and hope to move on. Yeah. Like, look at how much is coming in and how much is coming out. Look for little areas to save money. Like, one example, just like a real thing. We signed up for that Sling TV thing um, when the U.S. Open tennis was going on. My wife loves watching tennis. We couldn't get it for— So you, you guys are slingers? We were for a short amount of time. I, I see what you're saying. Sling TV. Accidentally let it roll to the second month when I intended. Think about guys. Yeah, yeah. Think, I went back and I was like, it took me five minutes to go and cancel. Okay, great. But I lost $50. Mm-hmm. Lost $50 because yeah. I missed that. There are a lot of, like, our entire economy digitally is set to get you to subscribe, so they're getting that month. Go back and review your subs, your subscriptions. Yeah. Figure out, like, little areas to save money that you're just bleeding, right? Do you have any? Yeah, no, I I mean, that was the same. Like, I actually, same story with Addy, but mine was YouTube TV. I I did it right for the Super Bowl because I wanted to watch that Super Bowl. and. Didn't, didn't forgot about it. Didn't catch it till that second month, you know, canceled out, but that was, you know, a hundred bucks or something like that. that and start looking at that cost at 12 times 12 for yeah. 12 months out of the year, 1200 bucks, you know, like, and this is the thing. There's so many streaming services out there. You need to look at, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's actually some apps you can download that, that kind of can review that for you too, as well to tell you, but like, you might have it all. You might have the Disney, the Netflix, the Hulu, the sling, the bling, all that stuff, dude. Sling the bling. <laughs> but it's like, you don't need all that. And guess what guys, Samsung TVs come with like 200 free channels on there. Yeah. And once again, I, I never want to come off as like, we're not like Gordon Ramsay no. live frugally. I want you to live. But it's just like little stuff. Like Nerd Wallet came out with a super good like side hustle article the other week. Like look at these like little things where you might be able to make an extra $10, $20 or save $10, $20. Start looking at it like, oh, if I'm not making money, how can I save money? Or Absolutely. how can I replace m- money costing activities with non money costing activities, right? Yeah. Um, gym memberships. Uh, is it where you're shopping on your groceries? Like, cool. is it Instacart and DoorDash? Like, what? There's if, a lot out there. If you look at your time, like, hey, if, you're, if your time's worth like 20 to $40 an hour, if you can save 20 to 40 bucks, you just got an hour back. Yeah. We start reverse looking at 
these different financing. And I think E2 also having like an open discussion with family about presence is a big one. Like mm -hmm. my mother-in-law just a couple weekends ago, just out of nowhere was like, oh, by the way, no presence this year. Oh, okay. Like I'm cool with that. But like, I know they had a really big travel year. Mm -hmm. Like they went to France. They did a lot of retirement bucket list stuff. And like yeah. the cash was low, but like, even if you're going to cap it, like 50 per person, like my sister-in-law, like makes all her gifts. She's an incredible artist not in like a crappy like spaghetti noodle yeah, necklace yeah. but like she's an artist <laughs> right? and like actually <laughs> makes like really nice pieces wow every year like just thinking outside of the box and like for me i would rather find like five six seven money saving things and save that money for a trip yep for my wife and i yep. start just like i encourage people to look at money different differently and it goes back to getting comfortable with like looking at those accounts and seeing that in and out yeah, I had, I had a, a parent on the softball team the other day. Just you know, we're we're randomly just chatting, and they're like, "Yeah, I looked at my uh, ba bank account, and me and the kids spent three hundred bucks on fast food this last month." I go, "Yeah, it's time to maybe cut that out." He goes, "Oh, we're cutting it out." You know, I was like, "You know, that's good. That's a healthy, proactive thing to look at." I mean, obviously, you still got to eat every now and then, but you know, maybe you just eat you know something a little bit more healthier, or that's not just quick and easy as you're driving, grab it, you know, and, and go because they're they're coming and going a lot, but. You're got to be aware that we're in a high inflation time. Right. So these costs or goods are higher. Sorry, that's what they are. Our money isn't getting a eight percent increase like inflation's at or whatever, right? So you have to start looking at this stuff. And we're, I mean, Addy, you're seeing a lot of clients too that come to us that you know might have that nice solid job, seventy, eighty k salary, and looking to buy a home, but bank statements show a hundred bucks balance in it because they're just going through it every single month. There's no savings having there. Yeah. A couple more. So going back to like the logging into your accounts and being comfortable, I encourage people, whether it's on paper or Excel or word or whatever, <coughs> go through and type out all your accounts. Hey, I got a chase. I got an Amex. I've got a bank of America. Type them all out and put your balances in there. Then do another box. Hey, this is my credit cards. Type them all out. These are the balance. These are the payments. Then do assets. This is how much I owe on a car or a house. This is what it's worth. And just start looking at it. Start with that. Get super comfortable with the conversation that then it's like implanted in your brain and you just start reworking all these little things. Oh, I could say this or, Oh, I'm going to look at spending this a little bit differently than I would if I was just swiping and praying. Yeah. Right? Just get, it doesn't matter how much money you make. You make a million dollars or you make 30 K a year. doesn't matter. It's the conversation of finance and the comfort level of the, the subject. A couple other quick tips and thoughts. Tips for thought, thoughts for tips, thoughts something for tips. like that. Tips of thoughts. Right now, and I've talked about this multiple times, if you've got liquid savings being not invested into stocks or something like that, make sure that that money's parked in a higher interest yielding savings account. It's so big guys right now, like uh, Bank of America, for example, they pay like 0.1% on their savings account. A high interest yielding account right now is anywhere from four to four and a half percent. Yeah. This is free money. Uh -huh. 25K at about four and a half yields about $90 a month back to you. And guess what? Get that swing TV if you want. Yeah. Like, are you paying for all your cable? Yeah. So just like thinking about that stuff, other more dynamic, um, 
there's a lot of companies and banks right now that want you to do your checking and savings and they're giving you bonuses for bringing your banking over. Take advantage of it, guys. Like, so, oh, I don't want to switch my ACH. That's like your direct deposit or whatever through your payroll. That's the asterisk. To get these bonuses, you need to enroll your payroll. <clears throat> Log into your HR, your payroll. You can actually split up your payroll deposits to go to multiple accounts. Yes, you can. So you could go over, open up this account, get a $250 bonus and log in your HR. Here's my new account number. I'm going to have 30% of my payroll go to this account. Then you could do it at another. Yep. Have 30% go to that, get a $500 bonus. Like so many people are one, like just comfortable because they're logging into their whatever, but Banks are competing for you to do their their banking at their bank. Yeah, you actually seen like one of the times. I mean, in recent times that I can't remember, where most of these accounts are actually paying really good. You know, that really? four to five percent, and you're like, <clears throat> I even get the emails of like transfer it over, and you get a two hundred fifty dollar. You know, Chase was offering yeah. nine hundred, a nine hundred dollar bonus for either moving your payroll over or depositing five k. And opening a checking savings, nine hundred dollars. That's, that's Amex impressive. was offering is offering two fifty for a new one, and that's a minimum direct deposit within forty five days of five hundred dollars or more. No deposit required. I mean, you move over five k, and they give you nine hundred almost. At that, that's like twenty percent, right there. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's crazy. But keep an eye like. Hey, number one, don't be stupid. Don't fall for fake stuff. Look yeah. for no fee, no fee, no annual fees. Mm -hmm. But get your money working for you guys. Like a yeah. grand or two in this economy right now is a ton of money. Look at it at how much is your time worth, right? How much do you make in a week? Do you make a $1,000 a week? Well, if someone could give you $1,000 for moving some accounts around, you just got a week's vacation from a labor standpoint. Yeah. That's the reworking of the brain. So going into this high spending guys, be realistic about what you can afford. Be realistic about your credit card balances. Don't just run through Christmas and this holiday season with your eyes closed and praying without a plan. And I'm not trying to be the Grinch. I love spending money. I love stuff. Yeah. Right. But we all do. if you're comfortable with it, you have a plan, you set out a budget and communicate it. If you've got a spouse, be on the same page with yeah. you guys. Gotta do that. I'm actually didn't even tell you this. I've got a pre-interview with someone for our podcast the next couple of weeks. She's a relationship counselor. Ooh. And I proposed to her because Chris and I, like eight years ago, before we got married, we did the pre-marriage like activities with yep. her and she's great, but I'm going to have her explain to you and I, some of the key financial downfalls. Yeah. She sees husbands, wives, or same sex partners. Totally. Uh, crumbled their relationship so or finances or finances it's a 50 percent divorce rate in this country and a lot of it is because of finances i i think so too that's any, gonna be a good any one. other thoughts on the budgeting and the 
you know, stay positive out there. It's still, you know, it's a tough year. You know, you got inflation, you got mental health stuff out there. Just, you know, stay positive. Yeah, There's and always I think just good the, stuff out there. The more we talk about it and get comfortable with the subject, the more we know, right? And yeah. that's empowering, which then reduces anxiety, stress, yeah. bad decision-making, impulsive decision-making. And I love to have a good time. I love to spend money. I'm not Dave Ramsey. Yeah. But the more you know, the less stress, anxiety, and the better decisions you make. Yeah, absolutely. It's good. good. We are ping-ponging all around today, folks. Well, to conclude our episode, both Casey and I really appreciate everyone. Like, when you reach out to us, you comment, you like, you send us an email. Makes it, our day. It gives us the warm and fuzzies, right? Yeah. And we just want to see you succeed. We want you to be better and the best version of yourself. Yeah, we're, like, becoming life coaches now. Yeah. I like that. I like that. All right. Well, that's a wrap, everyone. So once again, thank you, everyone, the audience out there. And you have either been watching or listening to MLO. We will catch you later. later. <laughs> <laughs>